All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the hope that we have um, that you will pour out your spirit upon our church and that you will come home. Uh, you will take us home. And I just pray, God, that as we continue to talk about total member involvement, that your Holy Spirit would be here, that you would inspire us, that you would teach us, train us, give us tools so that when we go back home, we can make a difference. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless us with your presence in your name. Amen. So I just wanted to review just a little bit here before we go into the next um, aspect of total member involvement. Uh, do, how many people were here the last session? There have been, a, oh wow, several of you guys. So let's, let's think back all the way to the very beginning. What is the first thing we talked about when it comes to total member involvement? Does anyone know? Revival. That's number one. We talked about the importance of experiencing the Holy Spirit's power in our own personal lives and having a power outside of ourselves to help us to even want to do ministry because it is so unnatural for human beings to actually want to witness. It must come from outside and above us. So that was the first thing was revival. Um, and just reviewing here, the second aspect was inspiration. And with inspiration, we talked about the importance of sharing your testimonies from up front and inspiring people and um, helping other people see that it is possible. One little aspect we shared about that was the importance of having not just the pastor and Bible worker share testimonies, but you as just a normal, regular, wonderful church member sharing a testimony, peer-to-peer -peer testimonies. Um, and the third thing that we talked about was evangelism and training, right? The importance of training and making it simple, practical, and making sure that there is at least a little bit of training because it can go a long ways in helping people feel confident about doing evangelism. And of course, we talked about evangelism and synergizing those things, making sure you're reaching for a goal. Um, we want to show you one video here before we move on to the very last aspect before our panel. And Heidi's going to get that going. Total member involvement for those of you that just came this session um, is actually an initiative of the General Conference. Isn't it exciting and encouraging that the leadership of our church is pushing for total member involvement? If you see, um, you can, you'll actually be able to see in this video, um, our church leadership that's so excited about getting every single church member involved, and they're really pushing it. I encourage you to take on the um, personal burden of spreading total member involvement at your church. You, when, when we give you these, this resource card, you can get from us videos and resources and things that you can show at your church and get them excited about total member involvement too. But we're going to show you this video and then Heidi is going to share with us one last aspect. All right, we're going to move on to our final, final section um, of this total member involvement seminar. And... We already discussed that. It is discipleship, the much overlooked aspect of total member involvement. Um, because oftentimes we can look at total member involvement and think it is a lot of events and a lot of doing. And yet it may be something as humble as sticking with one person for 10 years. Amen. And, and, I, and I think a lot of times we don't, we don't recognize that. We want it to be over um, quickly, or we want to be able to see the reward quickly, right? You know, someone coming into uh, the faith within a few months, it's a powerful experience, and yet discipleship, like the way my friend Brunella says, 
It's getting into the mess of someone's life and being willing to stay there until they have been able to experience the overcoming power of Jesus. And when you think about that, uh, discipleship takes on a whole new meaning. Um, so how can you, as a young person, disciple? Have you ever felt, maybe as a young person or a young at heart, I know we have some young at heart in the room, uh, that discipleship is, is maybe not your gift yet. You're 16, <laughs> and you're thinking, how am I going to disciple <laughs> someone else when I need to be discipled myself? And, and, and I want to go through how Jesus discipled his, his disciples really quickly, because it will give you a big picture of discipleship as we think about how Jesus did it. He's the ultimate discipler, right? And so if you want to turn in your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 4. We're not going to take a lot of time because we are going to have a Q&A panel, but I do want to just highlight very quickly, this is how Jesus discipled, and, and you'll be able to tell that it's something you can do once you reach a certain stage in your growth. It's powerful to see what God can do. So Matthew chapter 4, when you're there, you can say amen. Okay, Matthew 4, and we're looking at verse 18. This is the first aspect of discipleship, and this is where Jesus called his first disciples. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were what? They were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they immediately left their nets and followed him. So here they are. Jesus has just called them to be his what? His disciples. So this is his first step in saying, come and be my disciple. Now, there's a lot of history behind this that I'm not going to go into, but I will tell you, if you research it in great depth, if a rabbi or a teacher came up to someone and said, follow me, it was a huge sign of their belief in that individual. They believed in that individual to be able to fully imitate them. And so as a disciple, this disciple was going to go with this rabbi everywhere they would go and watch everything that they do and learn to be just like them. Rabbis generally were asked by a follower if they could if they could be their disciple. But Jesus, if you notice, called each and every one of his disciples. And he also called people who were already in their, their walks of life and work. He called fishermen. He called people who had trades and occupations. And if you look at history, Jewish history, if they were in an occupa occupation, it's because they had been rejected by maybe other rabbis or other teachers, and they hadn't been able to make it to that higher level of applying to be a disciple for someone. So they were kind of the rejects or the ones that, that others had not believed in because, see, at age six, they were given the challenge of memorizing the first five books of the Bible. Um, by the time they were age 14, they had generally, those who had made it to the second level had memorized the entire Old Testament. <laughs> and, and then they could apply to be a disciple under a rabbi and the rabbi would grill them and ask them all these questions about the prophets and about history and about this and about that. Why? Because they just memorized the Old Testament, right? <laughs> and, and if they were good enough, then the disciple, then the rabbi would say, come, follow me. And, and yet here we see Jesus talking, talking to ones who had been let go. You know, rabbis would say, why don't you go and, and, and do your father's trade? 
do your family trade, you know, and, and they would send them back. And here Jesus is, his first thing is he believes in them. And so as you're thinking about discipleship, as you're thinking about the people in your church or the people in your school, do you believe that God can transform their life? That is the first question. Are you sitting there saying in a negative mindset, my church is never going to change? I'm never going to be able to get out of this. That person won't ever come to Jesus. I don't think that they can have victory. I don't think that I can help them. That's not the place to start. Jesus started by believing in people. And, and when you see this, it's amazing. It says, in every human being, he discerned infinite possibilities. What does infinite mean? Unending possibilities. So when, when Jesus looks at you, Charlie, he sees infinite possibilities. Powerful to think about. When, when Jesus looks at you, he's like, there is a never-ending list of possibilities of what God can do. It says, he saw men as they might be, transfigured by his grace. Looking on them with hope, he inspired hope. Looking, meeting them with confidence, he inspired trust. So first aspect of the discipleship, do you believe in them? Do you believe in them? Do you believe in God's ability to work in their life? You know, it's again a faith, a trust issue, right? You have discipleship. Now, the second thing, it's really interesting. If you look in Matthew, um, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but as soon as he called the disciples, it's really interesting what he does. Jesus, then he shares the Sermon on the Mount. He heals the centurion's servant. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He heals many in the evening that were demon-possessed. Others ask to follow him. He calms the winds and the waves. He heals two demon-possessed men. He forgives and heals a paralytic. He calls another disciple. He restores a, woman, a girl to life. He raises someone from the dead. Two blind men are healed. A mute man speaks. And then we see that powerful experience where Jesus sees this group of people. And he's moved with compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he says, the harvest truly is ripe, but the laborers are few. So Jesus calls them, and then he does something really powerful. He models for them. Right? So discipleship. The first thing, he calls them, and, and then the, the second thing that I'll talk about is he gives them what I call the advantage of his own companionship. It says right here, to them, the disciples, above all, he gave what? The advantage of his own companionship. Isn't that powerful? Now, it says through personal association, he impressed himself upon these chosen co-laborers. One of the first things is believe in them. Number two, what is it? Spend time with them. If you want to have a disciple, one person, each one reach one, right? Spend time with them. We'll talk about what you'll do in that time with them in this next section. But, but spend time with them. Listen to this. In the training of his disciples, the Savior followed the system of education established at the beginning. The twelve, first chosen, with a few others who through ministry to their needs were from time to time connected with them, formed what? The family of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? What does family see? I mean, they see everything, right? <laughs> the family of Jesus. So here, listen to this. They were with him where? In the house, at the table, in the closet, in the field. I, I don't quite get that in the closet part. <laughs> but I think that means in the innermost parts of your life. They're with you in everything. Jesus gave them the advantage of his presence. And he said, come with me into the most intimate parts of my life. If you're wanting to disciple someone else, number one, believe in them. Number two, spend time with them and bring them into your life and your family. 
I know the most powerful, impactful um, experiences I've had have been with people who have invited me into their life. They've, they've invited me in to watch how they deal with the hardest experiences of their life. And I've been able to watch that and grow thereby. Oftentimes, we want to keep evangelism at bay a little bit, right? It's like, I'll, I'll work with you for a few hours, but then I need to go home and have my time, right? And I'm not saying you don't need to have time to reflect. I'm not saying you don't need to have time to retreat. But Jesus took them with him everywhere. And, and I, I think that's really powerful. So then, of course, we see in the scripture that he modeled for them. He gave them an example. And he also gave them evangelistic opportunities. Um, if you look in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Verse 5 of chapter 10 in Matthew these twelve Jesus sent out and commanded, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he, and he says in verse 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely have you received, freely give. So what is Jesus calling them to do? Master discipler here. He first believed in them. Then secondly, he said, Come with me. And he had, you know, twelve of them, right? 12, he said, come with me. And then, then he did all these amazing things. He modeled for them. And then in, in chapter 12, what does he do? He says, go out and do what? Go out. He didn't say make disciples yet. What did he say to do? Go out and do exactly what I just did. You see that? He modeled it, and then he said, now go out and do exactly what I just did. <laughs> and, and there's power behind you living your life of evangelism. You living your life of, of healing and touching others. And as you have your friends with you, and they're seeing what you're doing, you will come to a point where you can say, now it's your turn. You, you talk to this person. No, go talk to them. Right? Come door to door with me. Okay, it's your turn to talk. I'm going to pray. <laughs> right? You know? Doing a health expo. Okay, it's, it's your turn to help out with this. Oh right? Giving them that opportunity, giving them that push. They've watched you, and now it's their time to try. And that's another part where I feel like God is taking out the pride in us and building up the humility, because it's not what you can do. It's what we can get done together. Amen. It's not what I can do. It's what, what can she do? You know, if, if you train others to be better than yourself, that's a huge success. Amen. Huge success. The disciples formed the inner circle of Jesus. They were his attentive listeners. This is what I would say are the discipleship principles. If you're discipling even one person, I, I like the theme of TMI. It is each one reach one, lose none, disciple all. That's what the, the total member involvement theme and motto is. It's each one, reach one, lose none, disciple all. Can we say that together? Each one, reach one, lose none, disciple all. So that's how this discipleship really comes in, because you can be doing all these events, and yet people can come in one door and out the other, right? Why? Because there's not discipleship. There's not that one person in the church that's saying, come into my family. Become a part of my family. 
Watch me, learn from me, I'll give you opportunity. You're gonna be able to do this. And, and I believe in you. So believing in them, dedication, having quality time with them, modeling a Christian example. I didn't talk about this really, but Jesus was full of biblical Christ-centered teaching, amen? That's a huge part of his discipleship was his teaching. And it was biblical and Christ-centered. So how do you want to disciple others? Give them biblical Christ-centered teaching. It's powerful. Evangelistic opportunities. And then I love, um, in Mark chapter 6, we're not going to go there, but he says, come rest a while. And, and they came to him, and, they, and it says, they told him everything that they had done and everything that they had experienced. And, and I look at this, and I'm like, is Jesus getting a retreat? No. As the discipler, Jesus is still mentoring in that moment, but they're relaxing. You know, beautiful picture of, of the discipler that we, that we love and know as Jesus Christ. And so as we're thinking about discipleship, maybe, maybe you're a young person, and, and you've got to ask yourself, where am I in this stage of the game? Have, have you heard, do you know that Jesus himself, your discipler, believes in you? Because before you can disciple someone else, you must first be a disciple, Right? Before you can disciple someone else, you must first be a disciple. That's why maybe as a young person you're like, ah, I don't know if I can disciple someone else yet. Well, look at where you are. Look at where you are. Have you heard without a shadow of a doubt, and do you know that God believes in your ability to work for him? Do you know that? Has he showed you from the Bible? Has he showed you in your devotions? Has he shown you in your work? Yes. Do you have that assurance that God is on your side? Secondly, have you, have you given up your life and your time to spend quality time with Jesus, to follow him wherever he goes? Have you spent time in the word beholding how he lived his life and watching his, his model example and seeing his biblical Christ-centered teaching? Have you experienced that? And has he sent you out on evangelistic opportunities? <laughs> he sent me out on some evangelistic opportunities. Some of us maybe just finished a 10-week evangelistic opportunity, right? <laughs> and now we're coming back at Aisha and we're like, Jesus, I want to tell you everything I did. <laughs> um, maybe, you know, where are you at in this section? Because after all of this, in Matthew 28, that's when his last words come out. And he says, okay, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them. And lo, I am with you always. He didn't tell them to make disciples at the beginning. He discipled them first. And then he said, go, go and do what I just showed you how to do. So I don't know where you are in this process, but know that, that this takes time. And first, be a disciple of Jesus. But recognize that God wants to take you. He wants you to hear those words ringing in your ears. Go and make disciples. He wants you to multiply yourself. You, you may not be able to do it tomorrow, but he wants you to. So go through those steps with him so that you can experience that discipleship in your life where you can truly bring one and, and see their whole life changed. I have tons of stories. I mean, we have one sitting in the room right now. Cedric um, Principe, you want to come up here real quick? Just stand up here next to me. Um, powerful example. Cedric's testimony, I'm just going to tell you in 30 seconds. Cedric was forced into Bible studies by your aunt? Yeah, my, yeah, my aunt. Yeah, his aunt. Forced him into Bible studies. If you saw a picture of this guy, well, how many? Maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago? 
Like a year, a year ago, yeah. A year ago, right? He's nervous. I'm sorry, I pulled you up bit, here. Yeah. <laughs> on the spot. You know, he he had long hair, beanie on. You know, looks really dark. Plugs, earrings. Plug yeah. earrings, like not excited. You know, all this kind of stuff. Forced into Bible studies. That first Bible study, he realized that God truly was love. Amen. And he continued, and he decided to continue to have Bible studies. And through those Bible studies, he was discipled by Shekinah, by J.R. Kahatel. I mean, the list goes on. But he was discipled. And now what are you doing? You're discipling others. Yeah, and it's so exciting to see. It's so exciting. I want you to know that, that God is in this process with you, and he wants to take you, and he wants to turn you around so that you can make more disciples for him. And thank you. I just wanted them to see your face. But um, I, I believe that, that God is calling us to start to see these cycles. And maybe it's going to be five in one year. Maybe you're going to see six in another year. Maybe you're going to see one. But, but taking that personal time with people, um, with all these events and all of these amazing strategies, you can never underestimate the power of this quality time and this discipleship in someone's life. So now I'm going to invite the panel up. We're going to do some Q&A at this point to finish off. Um, those, those five strategies, um, when we look at it, the first one is what? Starts with an R. Revival. Revival. The second one is what? Inspiration. Inspiration. Sharing testimonies. Fresh testimonies. The third one is what? You remember? Training. <laughs> training. Sometimes we can be inspired, but we just need to be taught how to begin. Um, and then after training, we have evangelistic opportunities. Send them out, right? Um, and last but not least, discipleship. And really taking that one-on-one -on -one time to see them through. Because um, God's, God's work in someone's life doesn't just, you know, happen overnight. It's something that happens over years and years of time. And so now we're going to have a panel. I want you guys to be thinking in your heads, what are some questions about total member involvement? And how can I experience this in my church? Um, what, what are those questions? Do you have the thing? Yeah? Okay, sweet. Um, and I'm going to ask this amazing panel to speak up loudly and um, express who you are to our group, your name, and what you do for work very quickly, and then we'll move into the question time. We'll start with AJ here on the left. My name is AJ Dalton. <laughs> so she's a church planter. <laughs> all right. So we have quite a group of people up here. I want to tell you, all of these people have been actively engaged in this concept in churches, and they have practical advice and ideas um, but let me, let me ask, are there any questions right now that come off the top of your head, or should I start with one that I have thought of? Anybody have a question? Just to get, okay, all right. I'm going to repeat it in here, just so you know, because it may not answer, so, yeah, go ahead. Um, how do you know exactly when your prepared disciple is? Yeah. Okay, so the question is, how do you know when you're ready to disciple others? Hi. <laughs> and so, um, so yes, you do not have to have uh, a time factor connected to becoming a discipler. You just have to be willing to be used by God. Anybody else have something? Yeah. The, uh, at its very basic level, if you, if you know um, a simple verse like John 3.16, and you you understand you grasp the meaning of that in the in the gospel, and you go to your friend or your, whoever it is, and you share that verse with them and explain what it means. You're discipling them. 
All you have to be to be a disciple or a discipler is to be one step one step ahead of the person that you're discipling. So that's that's you know the very basic simplistic version of it. Yeah, I just want to add on to that. I agree completely with what AJ said. If there's something that you know that they don't know, you can share and in that way you disciple. Does that answer your question? Okay, praise God. Are there any other questions? You want to say something else, AJ? You could tell. The problem that we have is that we know so much, but we don't share. We don't lead other people to do to do the same. That's that's where we 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 break where the breakdown is. It's not that we don't know something. It's just that we're not willing to share it, even if it's simple. Hmm. All right. Are there any other questions? Yes. Okay, so the question for Audioverse listeners is, um, if you know, I've just come back from uh, school in Tennessee, and I'm back at a church that a lot of young people are gone. Um, most of them are, are older members. How do we um, get them involved? What ways can we en- engage them in this total member involvement, and how can we inspire them again? So I... Um Used to, my dad used to pastor three churches in Ohio that were very small. And uh, one church at one point before we got there only had um, about three people that all had white hair. And, um, which is wisdom. Uh, Gray hair is wisdom. But um, there were only three people in the church. And, um, you know, it was discouraging. And um, really what ended up happening is um, we... Well, first of all, you, you definitely want to pray. I think we just underestimate that so much. Like, you know, take the people who are really willing to be involved and spend time in prayer and just like, Lord, what should we do with the people that we have in the area that we're in? Mm-hmm. What is something practical that we can do? And just seeking God for that wisdom. But also, um, there, uh, there are several things that come to my mind. First of all, um, there are a lot of simple things that elderly people can do, especially when it comes to glow, if I'm just going to be really practical. There are a lot of things, um, and all you have to do is take the resource card that we give you and and, uh, contact one of us. And there are a lot of things that um, will get older people excited about glow because it's very simple, something small that they can do. Um, A lot of the people that have actually gone activated in the churches that we've been working with are 70 plus in Bible studies. They are retired, they're older, they have a little bit more time than the average person, and they're, and they're very knowledgeable <laughs> because they've been Adventists for a long time. So get them involved in that with the resources that we gave you. And um, of course, I would say that you, as young people, even if you're the only young people there, approach your pastor and say, what can we do to um, reach out to our community more? Because you don't obviously just want to maintain what's there. But, um, you know, taking that bold step, how can I go out there and whatever it is, passing, doing surveys door to door, anything or some type of event that you can do at your church to get more, more people from the community to come through your church, know where your church is and what it's about. Um, so those are a few practical things, mm-hmm. I would say. Amen. Um, just want to add that I think in your churches, if you're a young person and you step up to do something, the older people will really respect that mm-hmm. and they'll be inspired by it mm-hmm. and you, it may not happen immediately but it will happen mm-hmm. and and the ones that are really 
truly have a relationship with God, they will come, they will come on board with you because they'll be like, oh, wow, you know, these young adults are, are willing to be courageous and step out. Mm-hmm. And so they'll come with you. And, and, and you'll, you'll actually change, you can change that church. You have more power as a young adult to change a church than an older person. Amen. So never underestimate what God can do through you mm-hmm. if you're just willing. And, and you may not feel like you have the skill or the ability, but just step out and, and offer yourself. And God will, God will give you an opportunity and he'll bring people to help you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jessica. You know, one one maybe practical piece of like, where do I start now that I when I go home tomorrow Mm -hmm. or next week uh, that helped me was I just went to the prayer meeting. Does your church have a prayer meeting? Okay, good, because whoever's leading that prayer meeting, whether it be the pastor or if there's just two members there, those are the ones who are at least spiritually convicted that something needs to happen. And if you just say, hey, can we pray about maybe what we can do? You'd be surprised. I know there's sparks in a church sometimes. It may look dead, but there are some people who still have a spark. And prayer meetings are the pulse of the church. So that's one place you can start. A quick testimony while working in Arizona with churches there. Uh, There was this one church. It was called the quote-unquote Snowbird Church because they do that in Arizona during the wintertime. And usually it was just barely any members during the whole entire year except toward the, the winter months and when I went there to train with GLOW um, only two church members who were in their 70s um, were really on fire about the idea of reaching out for souls and it didn't matter you know God doesn't need a great army but it's just a willing heart and we, we started going out with this church week by week as we set up the time and friends, to the glory of God, this church went to being a snowbird church. That's what it existed for. Wow. And it's now a church where they're having to have two services. Wow. And it just started off with two church members who are like, we have a burden for our community. And we just went and worked with this church, you know. And so your desire to do that... Um, God can do great things. He just needs, again, a willing heart and a willing mind. Thank you. Any other questions that come to your mind as you're thinking about where you're headed, what you're doing, potential struggles that you may face as you think about total member involvement? And if, and if any of you need a follow-up question, maybe, you know, this, these, these questions have or these answers have given you more questions in your mind, that's fine um, if you have a, a follow-up question. Anybody? All right. Yeah? Okay. Because I have some here, too, that are, like, awesome. So some questions about how to get older. Okay, so the question for Audioverse listeners is, how do you get young people involved in church? And how especially do you get them involved in a church that may be more traditional in nature, and it seems as if they aren't able to integrate and and participate. All right, who wants to answer that one? Yeah, awesome. You know, I think one thing with young people, and I think we're mostly young people, is we like community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there has been at uh, the high school in the town we're working in right now, we were like, how do we reach this high school? 
And so we took pizza to the high school. Yeah. And you would be surprised. There are like 21 young people coming out just to hear a Bible study and eat some pizza. Are they coming for the Bible study or the pizza? I don't know. <laughs> maybe both, <laughs> maybe one or the other. But the reality is young people desire community and fellowship. And it's then when the, you've gained their trust that you can integrate the word of God. And so even if it's young people in your church together, you know what, start doing something Saturday night together, I would say. That's a, a, a prime time to get people together. Even if it's a game night, if there's food and there's only three of you, play some games, you'd be surprised. People will start coming to that. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is consistency mm -hmm. with young people. It, yes. You have to be a consistent presence or else they'll just go away in the end. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to agree with what she said, and never underestimate the the power you can have to engage a young adult in the life of the church. And just by being a friend, you know, just by being a friend and, and providing an opportunity to for them to fellowship with you. And and even you may think, well, I'm you know, my church is a bunch of old people, but the older ones can have a huge influence on bringing the younger ones in and in, empowering them for for ministry. So. Um, and also I would say give them, you know, this is a diff you asked about the music and those kinds of things. I think, and this could be a, long, a longer topic, but, you know, we don't want to take the standards down, but we want to empower people. Um, we, we need to empower young adults with ministry opportunities. We can't just, churches have a hard time letting go sometimes, and we need to give young adults the opportunity to serve. So that would be something that a church could do. You know, don't be afraid to put a young adult in a leadership position. I mean, make sure they're test, make sure they're, mm -hmm. you know, but with prayer and wisdom, it's okay to give them responsibility and to, so they can create, it creates ownership of the church for them. Um, I don't know if there's any. Yeah, yeah. I were you gonna say that? Sure. Um, one thing I would say is I think some older people sometimes are a little intimidated by younger people, which is, um, it, do, it sounds funny, but I think it's true um, because, you know, there's just a generational gap and, you know, you just didn't live in the same time period that they did or whatever, and it's just like there's a lot of things that you don't have in common. But it's really incredible for a young person, especially in these days, young people don't have sometimes the parents and the older people that um, were there for them. And you as an older person, um, just spending time with young people. Like, I, I, I have several people that come to my mind really quickly, older people, that they just take an interest in me. And my heart actually is like very bonded to them just because they, just for that, you know, they just have an interest in me. And even when I was younger, I still have pictures in, in my mind of different church members that would actually ask me how I was doing and sit down next to me and just like talk to me. And even though like we didn't even know what really what we were talking about, you know, it was just, it was just that quality time that we could have and it helped me buy into them more. Um, at the McLean High School, there's a ministry there that um, similar to Patterson, where they take, um, you know, pizza to the young people there, and um, these people call the guy that comes, they call him Uncle Mike. Actually, his wife is sitting right there, and um, he has really um, attached their hearts to him because he's like a father figure to them, and he goes and he like, you know, talks to them and just like hangs out with them, and, um, and they listen to him, and so that's just something that's really valuable um, as a young person to have those older people that really just take the time for them, and from there, um, you can continue to lead them on a journey um, to introduce maybe evangelistic opportunities and other things. Okay. <laughs> um, one thing I don't think we can overlook 
uh, in working with young people is, is this. I think all, all, a lot of times we think we need to give them what they want. And as a young person, I will tell you, what they want is not always what they need. I will tell you that. It's not always what they need. And as you think about it, um, it's not just, oh, let's give them everything so that they're happy. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's power in simple community and food. Like that, of course, that makes them happy. And that's not bad. It's not, it's not a poor decision <laughs> to pull youth together and give them free food. They'll love you. Um, but, but when you think about it, um, my husband tells the story. He, he grew up in this youth group. They, they had a great youth group culture. They did a lot of fun things together. But when he looks back, there's, he's, he's one of the only ones that's really still Adventist and really still going to church. And, and he, he looks at it, and he has he's like picked through. Why? And he's like, but we had, I mean, we had the coolest band. We had this. We had that. We had friends. We had food. We had all of this. Why are we not still active, you know? And, and all of these people had split, and they had gone to churches that didn't have that to offer them. And they decided, you know, I could find that somewhere else. And they went somewhere else. And, and he said, we weren't rooted in solid, biblical, Christ-centered teaching. We didn't have that. And so I, I think there's power in just recognizing that God, God is calling us, yes, to pull people together. Yes, to, you know, to hang out and sing songs with kids and give them food. But remember, without that biblical, Christ-centered teaching, all of that community and fun will really mean nothing in the end because they won't have that solid foundation. And that was just something he really found, and he's like, wow, you know, they don't understand even why, why they're Adventist. And as we start to understand why we're Adventist, it gives us a huge purpose, um, a huge mission when we start to understand what the cross is, you know, as I've seen just in, in one young person's life, you know, sharing the meaning of the cross with them and having them experience that, that transformed everything. They didn't need anything special at church because they had had an experience with Jesus. So um, I just think without that, all of the other stuff is in vain. But. Just to share something with you that I did, I, I also, you know, see the gap in our churches. There's a big gap or a big, uh, you know, empty uh, place for youth leadership. There's so many uh, youth classes and so many youth at our churches that don't have um, a shepherd. They don't have a youth leader. I went to my church as a Bible worker uh, several years ago. I also was uh, feeling a, a challenge to connect with the youth. I'm like, you know, I really, I, I had a burden for them because, you know, you can see how much energy and enthusiasm they have. And I'm like, what can I, what can I do? And I, I prayed about it and God, God gave me some special connections, uh, some friendships with certain uh, youth, youth in the class. And I realized, hey, you know what? I can't influence this whole group. I can't get them all to think I'm, you know, cool and, and want to do what I want to do, right? And follow me, right? But I, I found there were certain uh, key uh, youth in the, in the class, who are in this youth uh, Sabbath school class, who, who really became my friends. I told them, I said, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start doing GLOW. I need your help to do this, to get the rest of the group on board. And these, these youth were like, yeah, let's do this. And so I said, when we go to, when we go to I'm going to teach Sabbath school class this coming Sabbath. This Sabbath, I'm going to say, all right, guys, put down your Bibles. We're going out and hitting the streets, and we're going to do glow tracks, and we're going to knock on doors. We're going to pray with people. We're going to do surveys. And when I say that, I want you guys to be like, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so all of these, the, my, my, my key people, you know, strategically placed in the class, 
I, I said, this is, I, I got there and I said, this is what they're going to do. And they, they were like pumping them up and motivating them. We, we marched out of class there at like at 9.40 a.m. right after Sabbath school started. We went out, we hit the streets up, we knocked on the doors, we, we, um, we, we, we distributed glow tracks, and we signed up people for Bible studies. We came back, and I had it set up with the pastor, and we got the youth group to go up there and say, hey, instead of, you know, here's what we did for Sabbath school today, and then they shared testimonies. They were so pumped. They were so, they were bonded with each other. They were high-fiving each other like, yeah, we did this. And I realized, you know, like, I realized by God's grace, you know, I think of Jesus. He had, he had uh, 12 disciples, right? And then he had the 70 as well. But the, he, he, he ministered and he led the 70 through the 12. And he led, the, you know, he was even closer to the three, Peter, James, and John. If we can find those key people and, and really build connections with those people, we can, we can lead the group through them. Um, as we as we wrap this up, thank you, everyone. Those were really powerful. I wish we could sit here for hours and just talk about it, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Um, but as as you think about these these things, if you have other questions, um, on on the back of the card that uh, we are giving out at the door, this gray card, um, total member involvement strategies and resources. At the bottom, it says for further questions about implementing TMI. Because um, literally, we could go on for hours thinking about how to implement it in your church specifically and how to implement it with your youth group specifically. Or, you know, every context is so different. And so if you have additional questions, our emails are on there. Um, Renella, Kyle, myself, and a couple others that you haven't met. Um, but if you have questions, email us. We would love to interact. And also, um, as we close, I do need a few people to help out with this. Um, can someone help with this? And I don't know if there's more somewhere. Um, but for those of you who didn't get a card, um, we would like to be able to interact with you on Facebook later. So this is, just raise your hand if you don't have one of these cards already. Um, it is a resolution card. And we would love your info just so that we can give you the link once the Facebook page is up so we can interact, ask questions, and share testimonies of total member involvement here in North America. Um, because I believe that that will encourage and inspire us um, with what God is doing. Just like we need to inspire others, we need testimony ourselves, right? And so, so that's what we want to do. We want to be able to interact and follow up. Um, but Renella, you want to join me and we'll pray together for the end? Um, thank you for coming. We hope that this was in, in some way scratching the surface of beginning to think about the key ways to get involvement in your churches. And, of course, we did barely scratch the surface. Um, this could take a long time to think about. But as you have questions and as they come up, we're, we're here and we're excited to talk to you about it. So um, we're just going to pray to close out the session and praise God. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us. Lord, we thank you um, for this session. And God, we just pray for an inspired church. Lord, we pray for total member involvement in our schools, in our homes, in our churches. Lord, we plead with you to help us. Lord, help us to be faithful disciples of you and to learn how to disciple others. Lord, we pray that each one would reach one, that we would lose none, and that we would disciple all. We pray for your presence to guide us and to lead us as we go from here. Father in heaven, I agree with these prayers, and Lord, we just come before you recognizing, as we said in the very first session, 
that all that we've talked about is so incredibly impossible without the Holy Spirit in our own lives. Lord, we need more of your spirit, and we need a deeper hunger and thirst for total member involvement. We, we need to want you to come back more. Amen. And I just pray, God, that you would break down our idols, that you would break down all those things that are just separating us from you or the things that are sapping our love for you, Lord, the things that are taking our hearts and minds away from spiritual things and placing them upon the world, Lord. We're, we acknowledge that we're just pilgrims here, and, but we get settled too often. And mm. Lord, I just pray for everyone that has attended these seminars and that is here at iShare, that you do something special in our lives as we leave this place, that we would spend more time in prayer, Amen. that we would devote more days to fasting, Amen. that we would um, give ourselves more fully to you, and that we would um, be always hopeful that our churches can be churches that are full of life and that are doing something in their communities. And Lord, we just give ourselves to you. We're willing servants. Use us in any way that you can. We thank you for being with us today. In your name I pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.